really just great. <laughs> so that, it's peppered. That, that's a nice, it's nice enhancement. Yes, it's know? very distinguished. I think it's so. Strangely enough, my twin brother, no hint of gray in his hair, and he will he. He will lie to my face about whether or not he dyes it or colors it or anything like that. I'm like, there's no way, man. To be fair, like he, you know, he he got his own he got his own share of uh, his own share of things. That's true. He, he does have one lung and one kidney. All right, so exactly. free you can ask whatever questions that you want uh, okay. you can ask about me about the organization like it's sure. just a free conversation for the next 45 minutes as we kind of get to know not only about boys and girls club and mm-hmm. what's going on there but also about you which is nice. i think is what is the most interesting Ooh. stories to me yes are why we do what we do. we do now i go really get into the skinny of things yeah. right well because i've known you for so long just yeah in the community Right, but what I don't know—that's raw. What I don't—that's like bringing the skeleton out. Well, (laughs) you can you feel free to share what you want. (laughs) This will be edited out. You'll be like you like cut cut the camera. Not an expose. Not an expose. (laughs) Yes, strictly strictly uh, entertainment value. Sure. But I want to know. You know, for instance, I just want to know like a a brief story. Like, tell me about you. So I love this because it's, I'm always curious to know, like, what makes all of us tick, mm-hmm. right? What do we do what we do? And for me, I was really blessed um, to find my path um, at a time where I was going through some personal things. I had just lost my mom and taking care of my siblings. I was like 18 then, so don't do the math. Um, but, um, I had the opportunity to work with, um, at risk young people. So these were individuals who were expelled from the regular school system, um, for whatever reason, uh, was not in the normal comprehensive school system that we're at Valley community school. And I just fell in love with the work. Right. I was, first of all, I was running an after school program. Coincidentally, it's like 365 here or 360. And so, anyway, um, I was, I started as a support staff uh, running an after school program as an intervention for individuals who were involved with gangs. And, you know, the community at that time, the label that they were given was that they were, you know, these were bad kids, you know. And I'm like, not really you know they're just made bad decisions and they're just really unique soul like they defied all things that they're not supposed to and to me that was like leadership traits right it's, um, such, a, it's such an interesting it's such an easy label that yeah that we can throw on some of the these youth and these kids be like oh well, they're just they're, they're just bad, bad, or, bad kids. you know yeah. without taking any time whatsoever to just like actually get to know their situation or, or what's going on. I think it, once you do that, I think you see a lot of, it's like an onion, right? It's a, yes. You're kind of uncovering a lot of layers right there. And they're just kids. Yeah, right? Exactly. I mean, if we can think about how, how we behaved at that time, right? I mean, we were all bad kids in that sense, right? With no social media, right? No, there was, Exactly. I can't imagine what I my life it. would be like if like Ooh. there was social media around when I when I was that young. 
I would have been really bad then. <laughs> I would tell you. So I was really bad. I mean, so I was good and then I became really bad because, you know, I want to hang out with my brothers and his friends. And so, but I wasn't that bad. Yeah. Right. I, I just wanted to do cool stuff, you know, like sure. all teenagers want to do. So anyways, the one thing that really like opened up my eyes were um, I conducted this survey. It was like 100 best community survey type stuff. And there were like a ton of questions on there. And so we administered this survey to about 200 kids. And um, some answered some question and some um, answered, didn't answer some other questions. And, but there was this one particular question and it asked, if you had the opportunity to make a positive difference, would you do it? Every single one of them answered yes. Mm-hmm. I mean, these were like bad kids, right? Mm-hmm. In juvenile hall and all of that, and yet they want to make a positive difference. And I'm like, there it is. These kids are really good kids. They just can't help their circumstances or whatever, whatever it may be. So then I went down the rabbit hole. I did. I went down the rabbit hole. And so... Got into a lot of stuff, and here I am again. <laughs> <laughs> right back. Well, so when you, did you grow up, are, are you from Merced? Did you grow up in Merced? Yes. So I lived uh, on 10th Street, so in South Merced, right okay. next to McNamara Park. Went there and everything else. Went through all the school system. Hated Merced like everybody does, right? There's nothing to do. There's nowhere to go. There's no jobs. And I was supposed to move, of course to a big city, yeah. LA, of right, or New York. And mm-hmm. I did go, but I couldn't. So I had to come back for whatever reason. But then I didn't want to go to college, uh, interestingly. Um, interestingly, I was actually an honors student, dropped out because I wanted to be to hang out with my friends mm-hmm. uh, who were in different classes, didn't fit in with the you know classmates. So I dropped out of AP and honors, and I went in stayed in my with my hung out with my friends don't want to go to college um and then realize you know what that's probably the only thing that's going to help me in life so i better go so i did i went without like a real plan of what i wanted to do where did you go to college started the merced college Started there, thought I was going to be a lawyer, of course. My parents um, wanted me to be a lawyer. That was like their, their, I was the last child that they had hopes for, apparently, because <laughs> my older brother, he went into film school, and okay. then my brother was immediately like, I'm going to, I'm going to go into acting. And my parents were just like, we need you to be a lawyer. <laughs> it didn't work out for them. Happened. It didn't, it didn't work, work out. It as it turns out. Well, so I so I went to college uh-huh. and and this was in Arkansas and I just didn't really have like a, a path. Like I didn't know like I I had I was an honor student in high school. I, mm. I did AP classes. I tested out of a majority of my my gen ed classes in college. So then I kind of spent my first year of college doing Every single class that I thought might be interesting. So like I was so I did like, uh, you know, I took a lot of psychology. I did statistics. There was a time that I was going to I was going to I was going to, you know, be in join seminary. Like there was like I was I was like dabbling in just about everything that you could dabble in. Uh, And then I I wound up. I have to ask, though, how did you do statistics? I, I was. I think two months into that class when I'm like, this is nothing at all that I thought it was going to mm, be. Yeah. When I started to really dive deep, I'm all like, this is not me. So I had some was. friends that were lawyers at that time. Like, 
no way <laughs> am I going to be that. <laughs> I'm good. So there I was like, okay, where do I go from here? Now, by this time, I was already getting my BA, poli-sci major, thinking that's the route, right? And sure. I'm like, no, let's deviate. Let's, let's change. <laughs> that's a, that's a, I remember that day when I told uh, my folks, I was mm-hmm. like, hey, I'm, I'm just going to get a Bachelor of Fine Arts degree. And they're like, oh, <laughs> what why would you do this to us? They've since come around. So. Yeah. yeah, yeah, as it turns out. And well, and look and look where you are now. Yeah, it's yeah. so weird. Like, uh, pathways are weird. Well, I, think. I always say, if you don't have a path, he'll figure it out for us, right? Exactly. Yeah. We'll be right where we need to be. Amen to so. that. And so you, you uh, graduated uh, college. I did. Uh, it took me a little while. Yeah. So I didn't have, like, this straight shot of anything, right? I mean, remi- I didn't want to go to college. I just knew I had to. Yeah. So I was working full-time jobs, part-time jobs, going to school, taking care of my siblings. And so it's like I had no social life, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so I was probably not the kindest person, but I was like, I'm going to get this done. And I need to survive. So I did. It took me a little while, I think, to finish up my college years. It probably took me six years mm-hmm. to get my BA finally. Then I took a sabbatical, did the whole life thing. And then I decided to go back after some time to get my MBA um, and the reason is, uh-huh. you'll love this uh-huh. part, was because I knew that I didn't want to be in any institution. There's too many red tapes, right? And remember, poli-sci. Right. As much as I love politics and everything else, I hate it as well and all the bureaucracy that comes with it, right? There's so much. Yes. That's why I'm a nonprofit <laughs> for that reason. <laughs> and so, but I hated chasing after dollars. It's like there's got to be a better way of doing this. So I went to business school and I'm like, let's figure out all the business component of running an organization because it's more than just doing some social good, right? It's, it's really more than the impact, I think. I think we it lose is. sight on that a lot. Absolutely. You know, you're yeah. a united way. Yeah. Well, I, we run into that a lot. I mean, it's, it's, it's everyone. Well, how about this? For the most part, no one gets into nonprofit work. For the administrative work, like that's not really why we kind of Agreeing. jump into that field. So, <laughs> Absolutely. But I do think it's important to know enough about, like, you know, business administration. I mean, because that is where everything gets everything gets like locked into that space eventually, and you're like, how do I get out of this space? Well, it's whether you make it or not. Yeah, mm-hmm. it's that darn business model, mm-hmm. and I was like, I got to get good at doing this. Um, because I hate, believe it or not, I know I'm the director over at the Boys and Girls Club. I hate begging for money. Mm-hmm. Um, I would go, would rather have a uh, business model that has diverse revenue streams, that's self-funded. Um, but we have some ways to go on that. So mm-hmm. It's so difficult, I think, to yeah. make that realization too, right? Like sometimes we think, well, if we just write the grant. Or if we just get, yes. if we just ask for the donation, mm-hmm. um, what it it doesn't take into account, right, is, well, what happens if you don't get that grant? Or right. what happens if that funder, that, that you, maybe you get so lucky you get that angel funder, but that person moves or right. goes away or, or for whatever reason, like, and is no longer available. Like having, I think. Um, other revenue streams, I think it's really important for a nonprofit to continue the work that they want to be able to do. Absolutely. So, and I think a part of my, um, 
lack of desire to ask for money as I used to sell Cutco knives. Do you guys have a set? So that was one of my gig because, <laughs> of course, I had a full-time job, part-time job, and just needed some other revenue stream, right? And I hate it. Product was wonderful, but I just, like, my network is not people who want Cutco knives or can't afford <laughs> Cutco knives, right? <laughs> and so just getting in was difficult. And so I think that every time I think of having to ask, I think about my cut co experience. It's, it's, it's like Great a, product, though. It's like post-traumatic stress going yes. on. Like you're, you're envisioning <laughs> that, that ask right there. <laughs> yeah. So you say that you took care of your brothers and sisters? I did. And that, what were mm-hmm. the age ranges? Like, like what are we... Wow. Um, it was terrible, uh-huh. I would have to tell you. <laughs> I had a six-year-old, a nine-year-old... Um, one was, I think, 16, 17. Mm. That's why. Yeah. And then there was like another something of some teenage years in there too. So there was in total about four to five siblings. Yeah. Going to college. Yeah. Having multiple jobs just to support you and your family. Mm -hmm. We ate ground beef for a lot of months. All, all in, all in Merced. <laughs> all in Merced. All in Merced. You know, I don't think I'd be able to do anywhere else. So that's why I stayed in Merced. Ta- talk, talk about that. What's, what makes you say that? I'm really curious. Because it was affordable then, mm-hmm. right? Sure. And it was small enough where because I couldn't. I mean, we had this dinky little car. <laughs> um, it, I got it for like 300 bucks or something like that. And thank goodness Roptimus helped pay for this car too. And it was given to me at a very discounted rate. Um, but it, I didn't have AC or anything like that. I mean, the whole engine was like smoky and all that at some point. But anyway, um, it was close. It was small enough where my brothers and sisters can walk to school hmm. um, and I can go to work. So I know that they can get to and from. And it was small enough that they can um, go to to work within the area that we were living in. And the apartment that we lived in was affordable. I made $900 at that time from my full-time job. My rent was $550. And I didn't have my, I only had my insurance, which was like a hundred and something at that time. Thank God. It's unaffordable now. Um, But we barely made it. So that's why I had to have my part-time gigs. Mm -hmm. Uh, But it was, it was fun. I mean, I think those were the best times. The yeah. best growing times for us, for sure. Like I can only imagine, like like what you kind of learned, or you know how much that has kind of like affected your perspective. Oh right? yeah, of the work and that hindsight. You do now. Well, not, not going <laughs> through it. Right? Yeah. Well, I never yeah. think we realize that, right? Right. I, I don't think we realize how much, and I think this is what's important about the work that you do, especially with yeah. uh, uh, children, is is how how influential. Absolutely. That those times are, right? Absolutely. And how even being able to, like you said, being able to provide even like a positive experience, a positive role model, uh, um, you know, further education, like, you know, being able to provide those experiences to, mm-hmm. to at-risk youth or just really any youth. And we, we always say at-risk youth. But Everybody's like, at risk. <laughs> but, then that, but that's what I mean. Everyone's at risk because we're all living on like the razor's edge like yes. what is that statistic there's like that like in merced like people are less than a month away yeah. from mm-hmm. uh, um, losing you know if they lost their job today it's they true. wouldn't be able to really support themselves exactly. they have no safety net whatsoever it's true and so whereas we have families that are fine right now yep. or kids that are fine right now yep 
Well, you know, and I think that's such a great analogy, right? Because I do go back to that when I'm working in the nonprofit world, right? I'm like, I feel like I'm a mom supporting a bunch of kids on nothing. And I'm like, I need to change this, right? Because I can't operate haphazardously trying to raise a family. And right. I've, I'm like, I've kind of been there. And mm-hmm. I was like, I don't want to go back there. Right. Um, so it's like, how do we do things differently to get out of this kind of survival mode? It's a horrible feeling. And I'm just like, I, I don't want to do that. Um, but what about since we we've, we've luckily discussed i think everything but we should discuss <laughs> very specifically mm-hmm. um i know i know that um uh, we interviewed you uh, a month or so ago about this um but about boys and girls club like what are mm. what are some challenges that you are experiencing uh within the county within the organization uh some you know challenges some success stories what would you like to share about about the organization well, I would say if you were to ask me this 20 months ago, it would be very different, <laughs> um, which is a blessing, right? So about 20 months ago when I first started, and interesting, it's only been 20 months, it's been feels like decades, but... So I, I think that's just nonprofit work sometimes. Yeah, right? yeah, yeah. It's like every day is just a day. Yeah, like everything runs into each other. Um, but so I, I think starting out, it was survival, right? Kind of what we talked about is, oh my God, I look down our bank account, I'm like, Oh my goodness, what am I, how am I going to run programs? Uh, But right now, today, we're at a very different place. Um, Yes, funding is always an issue, but I've been very blessed, or we've been very blessed, in that um, there were funding that were made available through the school district that has really allowed us to not only um, grow our capacity within and not, uh, but also it's kind of like a fine line, right? It's a double-edged sword. It's like when you expand, the opportunity is there, and then now you're building your capacity. And so it's like these two things happen all at once, which mm-hmm. is incredible. Um, but I, I would say that working with the school district, not only have we been able to serve more kids beyond the city of Merced, which we have traditionally done in the last 30 years. Mm-hmm. This summer, we served about probably close to six, 700 kids throughout the county. Uh, which is the beautiful thing, right? But it's also one of the challenges. Scaling has been incredible for us. We went from literally 10, 15 staff to about over 60 um, this last summer as well as last summer, which was our first um, kind of go around last year. Um, We went from a budget about 400 to about 1.6, and that's in partnership with the school district. Um, And it sounds like a lot, right? But it's money in, it's money out. It basically covered the cost that we have to have to program. Right. I, sure. I think that's two major things. One, to me, is yeah. the work that you've done in the last 20 months. Because a lot of people, mm-hmm. hopefully if anyone actually watches this, realize that you are more than just the building uh, in Merced City. Like, oh, absolutely. And you've become more than just that building. And you've grown uh, to all over the county with some of the programs and the, the, the after-school workshops and everything Absolutely. that you're doing. And I think it's important to notate that, that that is a real success on you, on your board, your staff. Like, Absolutely. Like that should be celebrated. Like you're like, hey, we're, we're more you. than just these walls. Like we are, we reach the entire county and here's, here's where we're going for. I think it's also important to note that sometimes, especially when you or a larger organization, or you even get those bigger grants that people don't know. They're like, well, they have plenty of money. And very often it is that case where it's money in, money out. Like, yeah, you know, we got a grant. Unfortunately, that grant pays for what it's supposed well, to pay for. Well, <laughs> technically, with grants, it's money out. It's just, yeah, it's first. just money out. That's, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and then you'll get money in. Most so, of the time. Yeah. Yes. Uh, yeah. So, 
you do have to front load a lot of these funds. And I think that's why some nonprofits can't scale. Sure. Is because it takes money to make money, unfortunately. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have the infrastructure set up, it's it's just difficult yep. to be able to scale. We got very blessed because we were able to leverage resources both locally from local foundation as well as uh, national entities that has dollars that we were able to front load some of these contracts mm-hmm. to get those reimbursable backs. Mm-hmm. So um, it's been um, immensely insane how we've scaled. Um, it's been incredible because we've been able to serve so many families and children. We hope to continue to do that. But again, I think the one thing that um, has allowed us, number one, our work is really important, right? And I want to be very clear about that. Um, that's why we're so d- driven as an organization is that if we don't address our issues now, given the pandemic, our kids will be worse off than we are. Sure. Right? And mm-hmm. the statistics shows that. Mm-hmm. Kids are, I mean, years and years of reading below grade level, yeah. um, years and years of math level is is very low, even worse than reading. And then, of course, with obesity rate, um, with our young people, what they're having to face. I and mean, we, if we really look at the trajectory, it's going nowhere, right? Mm-hmm. Even if they are successful. So all of these are alarming for us as an institution that provides services to young people. So it creates an urgency for us to be able to think outside of the box and really address it, right? Mm-hmm. What it used to be um, 30 years ago was just basically providing a safe space for young people. Now we're really looking at the whole child and their families, right, and making sure that they are truly set up to excel in life. And we might just be that first introduction um, to a lot of different things. The, our goal is to spark that love for something that would encourage them to go to school, kind of like... You know, some of us finding our kind of passion to continue to keep going. Right. We need to instill that very early on with our kids. And so, and especially in rural communities, there's absolutely n- hardly anything out there. I can't say nothing because there's a lot of faith-based organizations and youth services as far as sporting goes. But in terms of having a center for young people to explore a different interest than sport because I know not all of us are athletes. I'm certainly tried to be, but <laughs> I, attempted, I was a bench warmer. Um, I attempted at a very young age to be very <laughs> exactly. sporty. It just didn't quite work out. Hey, same here. So I stuck my nose in a book instead and I found refuge there. But um, yeah, I think the work that we do is really important. And I think that's why it's easier for me to sell it. It's my heart is in it. It's Well, not as your heart in it, but you've been doing it. Like I've been doing there, it. It goes back to 20 years don't ago. Don't worry about these kids. These are yeah. bad kids. And you're like, no, they're not. These, they're, these, not. they're not. And it's funny because my, my journey was never straight shot. Yeah. At the end of the day, one of the things I learned, and I absolutely still stand by it, was that if I could find a kid a job, I will probably get him, get him out of a gang. Mm-hmm. Um, I will save his life. And so not only am I looking to provide support to young people to get out of you know these kind of generational cycles, but I'm like, how do I support our local economy so we can shift this mindset that Merced is nothing, right? Mm-hmm. Because I have learned to love Merced. So I'm like, who's talking bad about Merced? <laughs> Hold on a second. That's my house, right? Um, so it's developed in this community pride as well. Like, yeah, I grew up in Merced and Merced's incredible. And by the way, Merced did this, right? So not only are we talking about, you know, providing support to young people, I also want to look at, you know, the economic opportunities that we can create, uh, with our workforce and our economy as well. So everything that I've done kind of 
has those little segments in there. Well, and I that's love why, it. like in my mind, we really wanted you because this is the inaugural like thing that we're trying here, right? This yeah. podcast interview. But I thought of you first, right? One, because in my mind, that's where it starts, right? It starts with the kids at a certain age, right? It's yes. Like, because, because and that's where that's where every, like if we could, you know, affect those lives, right, and try and figure out ways to to put. Um, kids and youth on a better path like what that shows maybe not to you and I right <laughs> you know, maybe not necessarily like but generationally like you said yes. breaking those generational uh, systems that have been put in place like uh, tackling those those large uh, disparities that are occur especially in rural areas mm-hmm. like I think that is really in my mind the way to, to how do we deal with that like how right. do we tackle that right working together yes figuring out how to 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 where we could place ourselves within that system to be able to tackle that because you can't do it by yourself. No. And that's why we want to support you. And we hopefully people will watch this and want to support you because I know you have challenges, right? Like what are some of the largest challenges that you're experiencing? Like currently, or what's keeping you up at night? Like that's what we ask. Yeah, that's exactly. There are certain things that keep me up at night. Like what is it that's keeping you up at night? Seriously. The first is going to be program quality. Right. And and I say that because the medium age of my staff right now is like 20. Mm-hmm. And so if I I was talking to a friend of mine, I'm like, you know what? I don't want watered down programs. We are the only youth serving organization in Merced County beyond the school system. We are the only nonprofit community based organization. We need to deliver the best in-house and programs and services, which means we need talent. Right. Which means then that equals better pay or yeah. people who are just willing to come and volunteer, which is hard to bet on, right? And I don't expect people to volunteer because I know we all need to feed our families too. Mm-hmm. Um, so I get that. So I would say the thing that really keeps me up at night is number one, my program quality, because those kids are so important to me that when they leave my place or when they're in my home, I'm like, I want to make sure they have the best in service, kind of like you do for your own family, right? Yeah, absolutely. Same thing. Um, and so when I'm looking at you or talking to someone else, I'm like, yeah, we have the best in programs. Thank you very much. Um, <laughs> and then the other thing is capacity, right? Which goes hand yeah. in hand is um, we need support from HR perspectives, yep. you know, and I don't mean like just throw somebody in there. I'm like, I need to have someone that knows HR policies and procedures that can create an institutional infrastructure that will help us scale, Mm -hmm. right? Same thing with our bookkeeping accounting. Mm -hmm. So those core kind of errors are the things that keeps me up now. Funding, I think that, and I could be, you know, kind of optimistic about this, but I think if we could build out those core, funding is going to be a cakewalk to some degree. I think there's something to be said that, again, like, First thing we talked about, you build a strong product. Yep. And then you have a strong um, administrative backbone. I think, I think, in my mind, maybe, and, but maybe, yeah, maybe I'm, I'm also being like way too optimistic. It's like, well, yeah, like if you build it, they will come, right? I'm filled with dreaming, dreaming this right now. Like, right. but I do think that if you create a strong product and then you back that up with strong um, administrative um, business minded ethic that, yeah, people mm-hmm. will come. Like, if you're de- delivering quality um, programs for kids all over the county, yeah, people yeah. are going to take part of that. And then people are going to want to be a part of that as well. Absolutely. At least in my mind. You know, those are the core kind of challenges at the very 
ground level, right? And then there's the overarching things that really keeps me up. And that is because we, our facility has the potential to be impacted by the high speed rail or the expansion of rail services uh, on the Union Pacific. Um, We are really looking at relocating Hmm. one. Um, And then second, uh, we've been looking to establish a bricks and mortar or a stronger presence on the West side. And so there's the relocation, there's the expansion, and of course, in all of this, is always the sustainability component, right? How do we just keep our doors open and our services available? So those are the three kind of key buckets that's overarching beyond the kind of knee-deep at the ground level kind of uh, work that keeps me up are those th- three things is expansion, relocation, and sustainability. So, yeah, and we're moving and all the same direction all at once all the balls are in the air and i'm just like goodness i'm so grateful i am a juggler and <laughs> jack of all trades and master of none right <laughs> i feel the same way every day right uh, what are what are some ways like if the community can come together and support you um there's so many different ways i will always say there's treasure time and talent mm-hmm. Give us your time, whether it's sitting on an ad hoc committee to advise us on where we need to go, right? I know that at some point that's going to be, could become a really hot topic for this community, especially, you know, geographically where we go is going to be really significant. So sitting on ad hoc committees, serving our um, fundraiser committee, um, there's your talent as well. As I said, we want to teach our kids a plethora of opportunities and skill sets, including life skills. So anybody with any talent in anything that is willing to share, spend an hour with our kids, I take that, right? Sometimes resources is more than money, you know, actual dollars. Um, So there's time, there's uh, talent, and then there's treasure. If you don't have the time, but you want to write us a check or you want to connect us with somebody that you know, absolutely love and appreciate and welcome that check for just uh, organizational capacity with no uh, any type of strings that she <laughs> yes, has to exactly. create a brand new you program. know what it's it, and it's fine too as long as it's in alignment with what we do yeah right well uh-huh. sometimes in my mind like i always look at it like it kind of like a, artists have been dealing with this for forever where they're all like hey by the way could you play this wedding and uh it'll be great exposure for you right. i think a lot right. of people like sometimes like hello nonprofit. could you do this it'll be good exposure for your nonprofit. like well thank you i appreciate you trying to give me the exposure but uh uh, what would be nice if you could just pay for the service that would be good too you know it's funny because i think i'm i'm my mine own um worst enemy in that right because oh yeah of course we could do it all because we're we do everything for kids (laughs) and and i can make it all fit right like i am like i will make that fit and i'm like you know what it really doesn't fit like you're forcing it. Well, that's what Andrew asked me the other day. He's like, hey, do you have time for this? And I'm like, you know, I really should finish off at least <laughs> one thing mm-hmm. uh, that I have currently there. Baking. It's all baking. You know, yes. It's, or it's, it's plate spinning or something. I'm like, <laughs> I need to set one thing down or be finished with one thing before I continue to just go, yeah, yeah, yeah. This, this feels like we should do that. I, you know, we need to – We this is a moment for us to learn from you, see, because both, both Rob and I are really bad at this, about uh, picking things up and just not – finishing them right because there's always something new to do um it sounds to me you you talk about like staying in your lane saying no to those things when in your life did you learn how to say no Mm. 
I don't know if I have, honestly. <laughs> it, sound, it sounds like you have. Well, it like to discovered. some degree, yes, right. Um, but so interesting that you say that because I don't know if you guys know Linda Lopez, but she mm-hmm. used to work for Congressman Cardoza years ago, and I was an intern for their office. And she's like, see, you're one of those that starts everything and never finishes anything. And I'm like, wait a second. Uh-uh, you're not going to tell me that, right? <laughs> so now I'm making intentional uh, purpose to get things done, right? So I'm like, thank you, Linda, for that feedback. Um, but no, I have said no, only in that um, I'm mindful of scope creep now. Mm-hmm. And um, then I think of my staff as well. Does my staff, because everything I say yes to, my team has to execute on. Yeah. And is it fair to them? Um, and does it really help us move the needle on what we're trying to achieve overall? academic achievement, good character um, uh, and citizenship, and then healthy lifestyles, right? So does it really fit into these bucket of work that we're trying to achieve? And can my team take on one more thing, right? So I am very mindful of what I say yes to now. um, And if I don't have the capacity to, or if I don't, and I usually check in with my team, I'm like, hey, are you guys ready to go on this? Mm -hmm. And they usually tell me yes or no. I'm I'm trying to do more of that too, where I'll sit there and check in before I give a yes to anything, check in with the team. Absolutely. Because all I see is potential sometimes. I think that's really where, where my, uh, where my, my issue is. I see potential Mm -hmm. and I'm like, yeah, okay. The potential's there. I know we can do it, but now I'm like, hold on, let me check in with the people that are like dealing with most of the details or like, like, no, no, no. They'll be like, stop, just stop what you're doing. Okay. I'm (laughs) going to respect that. I'm going, to re- I'm going to respect that answer. And, you know, I am I work very close with my board chair. Mm-hmm. So I usually do a check-in like, this is where we're going. Mm-hmm. You know, do you think the board is going to be behind this work as well, right? Because at the end of the day, it's not about C. It's not about mm-hmm. the Boys and Girls Club. It's about what's good for our community and are we moving in the direction that we need to with our organization. So I try to be mindful of that. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah. So if I was going to build kind of a... a- a pyramid or a funnel out of what I just heard you say. It sounds like you first focus on when you look at something about taking it on, you're first, first focused on does it does it fit with our mission, right? Correct. With, what, with what we believe. Mm-hmm. And then you say, does it fit with our resources, the people that we have and the things that we have? And then finally, you kind of look at it in terms of trajectory, right? Does it match the trajectory that we need to head in order to uh, provide the community with with what I it needs to be provided. I love how you distill that. <laughs> He's great at that. <laughs> wow. No, I'm. I, this is just me learning. Like I'm yes. making this mental note. Absolutely. So now I have this category for. Okay, I just have to think. Mission, resources, trajectory. My, okay, I, I can say love no. It. My whole life has been yes. throwing things towards this guy <laughs> and having him then. Can distill I borrow it. him? He's it's he's amazing at it. I just sit there and I'm like blah, <laughs> and then he'll go. This, 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 this. I'm like, yep, that's exactly what. Let's go to market. Yeah, I am just. We'll send it right out. I am just a, I love a learner. That. <laughs> that's all I and, just learned. And lessons. you captured it. So then you can put it on something and, and distribute this now. Yeah, that's going to go on I a YouTube it. short oh, right there. That, that, that is really cool. Well, it's absolutely. I'm, I don't, I'm not self promoting, but I am just, I'm writing some things right now. Love it. Um, and that's 100% going in that. That's, a, that's, that's the, probably the most important lesson I've learned this week, and I've learned a lot of them. So thank you so much for that. <laughs> Oh, no, I'm so learning rich. from all of you. And I'm like, 
Rob? <laughs> is, is he part of the back end office support he package? Is, actually, <laughs> no, he, uh, he yeah, yep, yep. See, we're Tap, so, tapping into resources. Well, that's, right well, now. that's what we're talking about, right? We're talking about like you know what your organization is doing. That's going to help us kind of define what United Way can be moving into the future. We look at where we're at now yeah. as as uh, well. We call it like a rebrand or a reboot, a reboot. But taking what we're learning, not just from our community from other United Ways, like you said earlier, right, across the network that we do have. Like, mm-hmm. we have an extensive network. And then trying to learn not only best practices, but where our fit can be within this community as a, as a large organization, but knowing that other organizations are doing amazing work and we, we want to be able to assist them. I love it. Build their capacity because, you know, at the end of the day, I don't need to develop a program for this if there's an organization that is doing that. Yes. I'd rather just help them right well you're giving us a mic literally, literally. right now <laughs> right? You're, you're giving us a mic to share our story to mm-hmm. share what we're doing that sometimes as nonprofits, we don't have the capacity to do right don't have the resources the last thing we think about well in my mind right it's also too it's like sometimes we get in go mode like you know something like go go this i have to do this i have to do right. this i'm doing this and we forget that you know sometimes we need one let's take a step you know let's pretend the mic's not there and let's just like just relay your story like right. why are you passionate about what you're doing mm-hmm. and i think we you know once we connect with that a lot and we kind of yeah. i think we're going to get a lot of in, like if we keep doing this a lot of interesting stories really a lot of interesting so common cool. themes. i love right? it i'm so excited for this yeah um and you know i think where united way is is where it needs to be yeah. right it's different from 10 15 20 years ago to what it's going to be today because mm-hmm. the needs of the nonprofit or the society right now around this is very different probably i would assume well that's why right? we're passionate about since we just localized our two-in-one program we've been doing it we've been running it for what a year and a half year maybe uh, just, yeah i mean um, the actual physical running part of it yeah. about about a year and a half just just a little short of a year and a half but yeah. then for us to be like, okay, so here's what people are actually calling about it and realizing mm. in certain areas that, you know, the sample size is a little small, but, but knowing that here are the five things that people are actually requesting. Cause when they call our two on one program, they're calling cause they legitimately need help and they don't know right. where to turn. Right. I love it. And so if we're able, if I'm able to identify looking at, you know, the data that Andrew sends me and be like, okay, wow, electric payment assistance is a legitimate need all across the county. Hmm. So how do we, how do we as a organization, as a county, as a, as a collective group, how do we tackle that issue that people can't pay their bills? And that's what they're asking about. Is it because they don't have the information? Is it because those resources aren't there anymore? Like where, where, like, so now we know, let's investigate that. Right. You know, and so, and then I can be like, well, wait a second, if something's coming along and even like, you know, you and I are just having a coffee or talking, like you might, well, wait a second, what about that? See, then that to me is like kind of what gets like organizations working together. And I think you touched on a really good point, right? The data piece. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That is huge. If we have a way to help nonprofits collect data if they aren't already or build their capacity to collect more robust data mm-hmm. points, I think that would help us tell a very different story or confirm the stories that we're hearing at the ground level, right? Sure. And I use that as an indicator in my building. It's mm-hmm. like, if kids aren't showing up, I need to know why, yeah. right? right? If parents aren't bringing their kids, I need to know why. And if there's a spike here, I want to know why also. Yeah. So, I mean, it's really important to, to look at these types of data points and look at what 
this can implicate for why things are happening the way they are and how we can address I think that's the I think that's the important thing about moving especially uh, into the future for a lot of organizations is to realize the importance that uh, data can have to your organization because we'll get locked in right we'll get locked into like well no we're going to do it this way because this is the way that it's always worked well is that true anymore like Mm. You've been exactly. doing the same thing for 15 years. I know. Uh, maybe you need to think about something else because, right. you know, for you, right? It's like, you know, okay, so we have our building, but wait a second, we did a program here in, in Gustine and it was hugely popular, right? Right. Well, let's investigate that. We are. We're looking exactly. at our blueprint now. I mean, does it make sense to have a center or does it make more sense to have satellite sites yeah. or is it an and or, right? And so. It's, it's been incredible for us to be wow. able to look at, you know, how we can um, morph ourselves into something else down the road. And I think that's the exciting, that's the exciting, to me, what it's becomes exciting. the most exciting about having conversations. Like, what can we be in the future? Like, what is a future? You know, so maybe that's the question we can end on. Like, yeah, what, think, is yeah, future, a, a what is the future, what is the future, wrap this out, yeah. Boys and Girls Club look hmm. like to you? So I would, and I tell this to my team all the time, if we do our work right, we could be that catalyst for change in this community, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and it could be any nonprofit. It doesn't have to be the Boys and Girls Club. Is If we do our work right and we convene with the partners that we say that we, we are going to partner with and convene with them to leverage resources and uh, build out our capacity, then we have the ability to make impact that we haven't seen before, that we've talked about but we haven't seen before. And what really excites me is I think that most partners, at least locally, are at that point where it's like, yeah, we're done with silos and we're willing to roll up our sleeves and and rub elbows with you and let's go get this work done. And that excites me because I think with that mindset, we're going to see the level of impact that we want to see. Well, maybe we don't get to see it because data points are usually 10 years behind, right? Yeah. Maybe, so, maybe maybe our children, maybe, maybe my daughter, our children, right? Like, right. Like gets to see something. Exactly. And I think that this, and I think that's my problem is I have like, I'm like super impatient because I'm like, we've done this like too many times. So we just need to move on this already. Super results driven. Yeah. It's just a fault. <laughs> it is absolutely a fault of mine. Um, but I think that that's what, I have uh, to anticipate is this kind of idea that we can drive community impact from this youth-serving nonprofit organization that's kind of awkwardly walking sometimes or the last sometimes so many years. And I'm like, there's potential there. There's potential to drive the impact for our community. So that's what I'm looking at at the end of the day. Amazing. Absolutely amazing. Well, see, thank you so much for coming and having this conversation with us. It was fun. Rob, thank you. As thank always, you. it's always it's always a pleasure. Um, yeah. I think we're done. I think that's it. You that's guys it. did great. Thank you. Yeah, you did amazing. Incredible. Yeah. No, I love this. Good.